Jesus name, in Jesus name, in Jesus name. That's better. Jesus name, Jesus name. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Could we just take a few minutes to lift our hearts, lift our hands, lift our voices, and just praise and worship and glorify His name right now? Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Kondo na namakosi kie na namasoti kie na namaye. Kondo no no Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, the Bible speaks of the the fruit of our lips giving praise unto His name. And I believe that that means He wants to hear us speaking His name. He wants to hear us worshiping His name. I, When I was raising my sons, I couldn't just think about how much I loved them and just telepathically send that to them. I had to tell them that. With my mouth. And I still tell them that. And they're in their 30s. And I'm going to keep telling them that because it's true. And it's going to be something I'm going to keep telling the Lord. Every moment that I can open my mouth and speak, I'm going to tell Him how much I love Him. I'm going to tell Him how much I praise Him. I'm going to tell Him how much, how thankful I am that He saved me. Amen? He wants to hear our voice. Like our pastor said, we got to pray with our voice. Amen. There's power in words. We can literally speak the will of God into the atmosphere. 
If God gives us a word and we don't say it, something He told us to say and we don't say it, it's not going to come to pass. And um, I don't know why I'm saying all this, but but it's about opening our mouth. Amen? We're talking about exploring God's Word. Why are we doing this? Why are, why are we going through this Bible study lesson in the church? What's the, what's the reason that we're going through this? Well, the reason is, is because this is not the church. This is the church house, but this is not the church. The word church does not, in no way, shape, manner, or form has within its definition the, the definition of a building. But it does have within it implied a, a tabernacle, if you will. This is the church. This is the church. They didn't disperse on that day when in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 41 to 47 they didn't disperse back to a building they might have gone to the synagogue to pray but they didn't stay there they went from house to house it's like if you had terminal cancer and some some magic I don't want to use the word magic but some Miracle drug came out that completely healed you of cancer. I mean, completely healed you. You didn't have to go through chemo or any of that stuff. No surgery to cut it out. You just take this pill and it was just gone out of your body. You'd want to tell everybody about that that had cancer, wouldn't you? You'd want them to know. You wouldn't, if, after, after having suffered cancer, you would never want to see any other person suffer that again. And so you'd do every year, you would, Spend your own money and get on a plane. You'd travel all over the world telling people about it. You'd want them to know. Don't we want them to know about this gospel? It don't happen in here. We can't stand in the barn and point out at the field and go, there it is. It's ready to harvest. And talk to each other and tell each other how, ready, how white that field is under harvest. Standing in the barn. We got to get the tractor fired up. We got to get the laborers fired up. We got to get out there and get it out of the field. And that's how God does it. He uses us. His somebody already said it. Body. He's the head, right? That's what the Bible says. And we are the body. He has put all things under what? His feet. We're not all feet, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. Under the body. He's made us to be His vessels on this earth. And I'm just not going to keep, I'm not going to quit hammering this point even when this lesson's over. We need to get out there and rub shoulders with people. I don't care if it's just one, one guy, man, that you seem to have. You feel like there's a hunger and a thirst there, and you just meet him for coffee once a week, or once a month. It doesn't have to start out as a formal Bible study with a chart and everything. Just meeting with somebody, just just talking and just 
feeling after the Spirit of God and knowing when when's the time to launch into something else. Or ladies. There's no reason you can't have a ladies Bible study. There's no reason you can't just start with one. That's how it starts. With one. Each one reach one. They've asked the people there in Alexandria, Louisiana, how in the world did they build that church? It's huge. They're never, they never lock the doors. There's always somebody there praying 24-7. So they don't have to issue keys out because the building's never closed. And that'd be awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> right? And it all started with Vesta and G.A. Mangan, one soul. One at a time. And they, you know, there's a, a scripture that the Lord just dropped in my spirit this morning when I was waking up. It's in Second Timothy 2, 1 through, well, Second Timothy, Timothy 2, 1 through 3. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy wasn't a pastor. He was just somebody that God was using as a vessel. He was a leader, but if you look back and if you study the New Testament, there really were no quote-unquote pastors, really. Paul wrote letters and, and all those kind of things, but there were leaders. There were men and people that, that were appointed to be elders and leaders over those bodies of people. But by and large, they just conducted the Lord's business in each city as they, as they felt led of the Lord. And so he's encouraging Timothy here, here in verse 2, and he says, And the things that thou hast heard and heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness or hardships or difficult times as a good soldier of, the, of Jesus Christ. Now that verse 2, the way I read that, is this. Lead, teach, and discipline someone so that they can go forth and lead, teach, and discipline someone so that they can go forth and lead, teach, and discipline someone so that they can go forth and lead, teach, and discipline someone so that they can go forth and lead, teach, and discipline someone. That's the, that's the that's how it's supposed to work. That's how we got to this point. Not from one guy being in charge. We got to this point because somebody kept doing that repetitive thing they, they did what, what Paul told Timothy there. This, whatever you heard, commit, thou to, commit it to faithful men, mankind, people, who shall be able to teach others also. Somebody comes to the Lord. They get nurtured in the church. Eventually, they begin to follow the Spirit and follow the Holy Ghost. Then they go teach somebody. And it just keeps happening over and over. That's what the whole point of this is. And I appreciate the amens, and I appreciate everything. Everybody telling me how great a job I'm doing, but that's not why I'm here. Amen? Ephesians 4.11. Go read it. Not right now. You need to know that Scripture forward and backward, because that's your marching orders right there. That's why I'm here, to equip. That's why he's here, to equip. We can't save anybody, Sister Bell. I can't. I can only save myself. 
And I can do barely a good job at that. I need the Lord. What did, he, what did Peter tell them on the day of Pentecost? Save yourself. All we're doing is leading somebody to a decision where they say, I'm going to have a relationship with my Savior. Because that's where they're saved. That's where you're saved every day. It's through your daily relationship with Him. How do you want me to walk today, God? How do you want me to talk today, God? I know I used to talk that way, but now I'm talking this way. Don't help me not to go back to that way. Because you know you're going to. You're going to slip. Why did Paul write all that stuff in the book of Romans? Because he struggled with it too, this thing called flesh. And he was just encouraging us. Yeah, you're going to struggle with your flesh, but you've got power over your flesh now. It's called the power of the Holy Ghost. Now you've got two natures in you. You've got your, your human nature, your sin nature that's always going to be there till the day you die. And you've got that holy nature. And we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But I felt impressed to just encourage you all today that we're not here to just acknowledge that Brother Demuth is teaching a good lesson. You need to endeavor and be, be willing in your own mind to say, I've got to get something out of this. What, what is God trying to tell me to do? Not what is Brother Demuth trying to tell me to do. What's God trying to tell me to do? I'm telling you. He's telling us to get out of here, take what we have, just like Paul told Timothy, and take this and give it to faithful men so that they can teach others also. That's how it's going to happen. That's how this building's going to get filled up. Does anybody not want to get this building filled up with new converts? I got no takers. So by you not raising your hand, you just said, I want to do whatever it takes to do what, to, to whatever God wants me to do, to say where he wants me to go, to bring it to that place. We can't drag them in here kicking and screaming. But I tell you what you can do. We can love them in here. Lord, let, the, let your love be shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Pray that every day. Because not, it's not in you to love people. Telling you, because your flesh will find a reason not to. Whether it's something you see, something you smell, something you hear, your flesh is going to tell you. Eh, how about the next one, God? <laughs> God's going to say, "No, that one," and not somebody else go talk to that one. I want you to go talk to that one. Amen. They were all afraid to go talk to Paul. <laughs> so when, when the Lord told that, that man to go talk to, to this wicked Saul, he's like, uh, but God, don't you know he's killing us? <laughs> That's just like God doesn't know, right? <laughs> when he asked you to go to somewhere really weird that you would never go in a million years on your under your own volition, but he's telling you to go there? You think he knows what he's doing? You don't have to tell God, but God, don't you know? Because he knows. And aren't you glad that that man submitted to the will of God and went and did what God told him to do? And we had a Paul to talk about today. Because he could have just said, well, I'm not doing that, God. Well, when we, when we get to that point, then who's, who's deciding who's in charge? 
Wow. I'll do up to this point, God, but that's as far as I'll go. Whatever our our prayer should be, whatever you want me to do. No holds barred and holding nothing back. Without limitations, God, if you tell me to go to the wrong side of the tracks in the middle of the night, I'll go there. If that's what you told me to do. You called me. You, you're going to equip me. You're going to give me what to say. I have, you know, that guy that went out in Chicago at 2 o'clock in the morning and found a, a lady that was had just shot up with drugs and was dead. God woke him up in the middle of the night, a pastor up there. At 2 o'clock in the morning, he said, go out there and just go. And he went down this road and he saw her and he, God said, stop. Go pray for her. He raised her from the dead. Never saw her again after that, but God, he told him, I'm going to use her to, to cause something to happen here in a gang-infested area of Chicago. Can God do that here? He's waiting to, in my opinion. We're not, if you're waiting on God, <laughs> he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on us to get busy. Isn't he our heavenly father? Doesn't he love us? Is he going to make us do anything that's not that's going to hurt us? Does it mean that we won't go through some stuff? We won't be persecuted or talked about bad or whatever? And he might send you into a situation to talk to somebody that it just totally goes south and they just turn they just turn they spit on you and turn and walk away. And you might say, well, why in the world did God send me to do that? Well, maybe God sent you there for you. I'll never forget when I went to Freona, Texas, and I was at the camp. And J.T. Pugh was in the back of the the Amarillo campground with a little table selling some books. And I just walked back there because somebody had told me he had been in that town that I was in. So I just went back there to talk to him. about told him about what was happening and... And all of this, and he's going, uh huh, uh huh. And then he just puts his hand on my shoulder and looks me in the eye and says, God didn't send you there for those people in Freona. He sent you there for you. Whoa. And I knew God was speaking to me. I had the whole wrong, I had the wrong understanding of why I was there. But God used a man to speak into my life. Sometimes you're in a place you're God's got you there for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we ended up kind of talking about the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, which is speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Nobody can teach it to you but the Holy Ghost. And he's not going to give you 20 lessons. The minute he, the minute the, the father detects that you have faith and that you've repented, he's the one that decides when to fill you. And when he does, you're going to get 20 lessons like that. You're going to speak in a language that you never spoke in before. We, we talked about in the New Testament in the book of Acts how there was all these people from all these nations there and they heard them speak in their own languages the wonderful works of God. 
So in your mind, it's going to sound like something you've never heard before. But if you've never spoken Portuguese before and you speak Portuguese, it's going to sound like gobbledygook to you, right? Or Korean or something like that. If you've never spoken it before. Right? And so, the speaking in tongues is not, it's not our salvation. It's just a sign. It's God's sign that you have submitted yourself so completely that you have relinquished control of the member that the Bible says in the book of James in your body that's the most unruly member of your whole body, this little thing in between your teeth. Because out of it will come blessing and cursing. And the Bible references the, the rudder of a ship, a big giant vessel that goes through the ocean. How that tiny little rudder in the back in the water turns that ship left or right. This tongue is just like that. It can take you down bad roads, down good roads. And so, it's the initial evidence. And God's no respecter of persons because He allowed that to take place with the Jews. He allowed that to take place in the upper room uh, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and many others that were there. He allowed it to take place among the Samaritans. He allowed it to take place... Among the Gentiles, to whomsoever will, it's for you. It's for everybody out there in this 50-something thousand population of people. It's for every one of those college students that are now in college over here at UW and all these other colleges. It's for whoever. It's for that guy in the, in the street. It's for that lady in the street in Chicago that was shot up and dead in the ground from drugs. It's for her. For whoever will. Whoever wants it. What does the Bible say to us? Freely have received, freely give. We can't give them the Holy Ghost, but we can give them the directions on how to get there. We can give them the love of God. And so receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost after being baptized in Jesus' name and, and repenting and all of that is just the foundation for our salvation. Everybody knows what a foundation is, right? This building is 130 some odd years old. It's still sitting on the same foundation they dug when they first put this building in. Now, I'm looking around. I don't see very many, if any, cracks in the walls. Right? There's one right there. But that's one. If this was a bad foundation on this building, Brother Terry, there'd be cracks everywhere. The windows would be cracking. There'd be all kinds of problems, but there's not. Because somewhere, somebody, when they decided to build this building, the first thing they did was dig way down, because we live in Wisconsin, and you got the, the freeze levels, like down 10 inches or something like that, whatever it is. The freeze line, the frost line that heaves buildings up and down and everything else. And they put in a solid foundation. That's why 130 some odd years later, this building's still standing here. We've had people in here jumping up and down and doing all kinds of stuff, and it's still standing. It just If you think about it, it just amazes you sometimes, right? Hebrews 6, 1, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. That word perfection means maturity. 
Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and from, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So what is that telling us? What's he telling the church? We've got to move on from this initial salvation experience that we receive. You can't, st- you, I mean, they don't spend years on a foundation of a building. They spend a lot of time, but <laughs> they, don't, they don't work on the foundation of a building for 30 years and then put the building up. But you'll, if you watch a building being built, you'll, you'll think, my goodness, are they ever going to build the building? Well, they're working on the foundation. They're working on the, the footers and all of that that needs to hold that structure up. Because somebody, a designer or an engineer, just determined that this is what's needed to hold up the rest of the wood and all of the structure that's going to be in that building. But there comes a point where you move away from the foundation. And we were just talking about that. Somebody comes into the church, we teach them, and, and we disciple them, and pretty, pretty soon, you know, you, the child leaves the nest. You know, you launch them out there. First time you, you witnessed to somebody or taught a Bible study, did you make mistakes? Absolutely you did. If you don't want to admit it now, that's fine. It's what we have an altar for. <laughs> but we made mistakes. That's by design. It's okay. God understands that. But in God's great grace and mercy, he, he looks beyond that stuff. You're not going to do it right the first time. The person that was ministering to you and trying to bring you into the truth, they were probably making mistakes. You just didn't know it because you weren't in here yet. It's just like the basketball player that misses a shot. They, they'll tell him, don't worry about that shot. Put it behind you. Go down, go down the court and do the next play. Make the next shot. Don't get hung up on the mistake you made back there. Just put it behind you. It's just... It's another, there's another, another shot coming, right? God's going to give you another shot. Purpose of the Holy Ghost. First John chapter 2, verse 20 in the Amplified says, But ye have an, have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. And, and all of you know the truth because He teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. The Holy Ghost teaches us if you want to be taught. We talked about having a teachable spirit, willing to be taught, willing to admit you're wrong. You have to want to be taught, don't you? If you just shut down the teacher before they ever stand up and start speaking, you're not willing to be taught. You just don't want to even be there. None of us ever felt that when we were in school, did we? Why am I here? Is this person going to drone on again and again today? <laughs> Mine's ever sitting in a 300-member college class <laughs> where you had to take notes in order to get anything out of the class because that professor was just going to start talking. He wasn't going to have a PowerPoint. He wasn't going to have anything, no notes to give you. You had to pull your notebook and your pen out and start taking notes. If you don't take notes, you're not going to pass the final. There was a name for that. A lecture. 
I'm not lecturing you, I hope. Right? The Holy Ghost is not going to lecture you, but if you're teachable, He'll tell you what you need to do. And how does He do that? He'll use the words out of that book. I keep pointing at that, but my book is on there. Many, multiple versions. <laughs> Concordances and everything. Matthew Henry's commentary, the whole nine yards. It's on there. 1 Corinthians 12, 1-11. through 11, We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, starting in Lesson 9. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant, or I would not have you to not have discernment. He's not calling us ignorant. Ignorance of something is just not knowing, right? Somebody says, I'm not very good at working on cars. Well, that's just ignorance of of that field. I'm ignorant of stuff dealing with plumbing and electrical. I can do some of it, but beyond that, I'm a little ignorant of some of that stuff. That's why I leave it to, to the professionals so that I know it gets done right. <laughs> Then I can blame the other guy if something breaks. (laughs) Come back, you professional, and fix it. Fix your mess. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost or by revelation. Right? Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man or every human to profit with all. It's available to all of us in this room. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of, by who? By the Spirit. Capital S Spirit, which is... God's Spirit, right? For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and another, to another discerning of spirits, and to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. That's not to special people. We're all special people. We're all kings and priests. God decides who He uses these gifts through. Do you think that may have something to do with God knowing that He can trust you to operate in the gift and not take upon yourself the glory for it? Do you think that maybe is a factor? I think it is. That's why He says, covet earnestly the best gifts. I desire to be used of God. I don't care what gift. Just give me the gift of discernment, discerning of spirits, so that I can know how to, what to do and how to handle in a situation. I don't, I'm not trying to be, get, a, get a gift so I can just brag and tell or show everybody how spiritual I am. It's not what it's about. Right? Verse 11, But all these work, worketh, or are brought about, or made operative, or active, that... The, that one of the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the Spirit's going to give you a gift. 
I desire, like you should desire, to be used in whatever gift he wants to use me in. But we have to realize that it's him operating through us. Ultimately, he gets all the glory. The Spirit teaches us the body. We will never figure out or get... uh, figure it out, or get command of the spiritual gifts through human intellect or effort. You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to manipulate it for your benefit. It's going to be through God giving it to you and letting you, because letting you, we just read, by the same Spirit, by the same Spirit, by the same Spirit. It's His gift, not yours. We as saints are empowered by the Holy Ghost to work through these gifts as God chooses. The fivefold ministry is provided by the Lord to prepare the saints to do the work of the ministry to the body. You know there's members of the body that aren't here today? The way God looks at it. Because He knows the end from the beginning. and, And the Bible says that in God's mind, everybody, I, this is how I believe it. In God's mind, everybody's saved. He, he has predetermined every soul to be saved. But whether they come to that knowledge of their need for salvation is another story. They've got a decision to make. Our pastors talked about that. The choices and decisions that we make are ultimately ours. And God has made us free moral agents, so it's our choice to receive His salvation and have a relationship with Him or not. And many will not. I I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Many will not. Hell hath increased her boundaries, the Bible says. It's making room. Because there's people that just are going to turn their nose up at this and say, I don't want this right now. And they're going to live in hell, I hate to even say it, but they're going to, with the regret of knowing that they had the chance and they didn't take it when they had it. Now, I don't want to have to live with the regret of knowing that I had the chance to tell somebody and I didn't. Because of fear, because of whatever, I didn't open my mouth, I didn't... Get out of my comfort zone and go do something that God asked me to do that was outside of what I want to do. Because I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you're not your own. You're bought with a price. I'm not sorry to have to tell you that. But we're not our own. He purchased us. We belong to Him. Whatever you need, whatever you want, God, I'll do it. Just give me the word, and I'm there. That needs to be our attitude. Not like Joseph, or not like um, Moses. Well, you know, God, I didn't know if you noticed this or not, but I'm I'm not real good with words. Or uh, God, I know I don't know if you noticed this or not, but this, that, or the other excuse, right? What did God say? All right, fine. I'll give you your brother. What I find interesting in that story is when who who ended up doing the talking when he ended up before his half brother Moses. 
After all that grumbling and mumbling, Moses ended up being the one talking. Aaron didn't. So somewhere between the the mountain and Pharaoh, God can somehow convinced Moses, you can do this. And he did it. Ephesians 1, 22-23, and, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. It was the church on the day of Pentecost that went from house to house, right? It was the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the separated ones. Uh, I heard one teacher say that the ecclesia kind of refers to those group of leaders that would meet at the gate of the city. It was outside. They met in public. This is a public thing. Jesus made it a public ministry, did he not? Everywhere he went, he said, he spoke, he did. It was all in public, in front of witnesses, in front of naysayers, in front of people that wanted to stone him. Why are we any different? We're not. Hallelujah. The gifts are to profit the church. Gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The gifts are to profit the church. The spiritual gifts are given by God to His church to profit the church and its members. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. 1 Corinthians twelve seven. There are those today who contend that the church can no longer experience these gifts. But nothing in Scripture shows... When any of the gifts were withdrawn, to the contrary, the gifts will remain in the church until the second coming of Jesus Christ. So, the gifts are still available. The question we have to ask ourselves is, why aren't they in operation right now? The human body has many members, such as hands, fingers, eyes, and ears. So also is the body of Christ. There are many members of the body, of one body. And all are important. Some may be more evident than others, but all are needed. God knows what you're capable of. And He will give you the gift that He needs to operate through you because He knows you personally and individually. Because it is a personal relationship, is it not? He knows what you're capable of when He's operating through you. It's not you doing it. It's Him operating through you. And we just have to understand that. Use me, Lord, until you use me up. Who decides when we get to retire? (laughs) God. (laughs) We don't. We don't. But we do. I'm retired now. We'll say that. God. Don't you know? I'm retired. Go find somebody else. That's what we're saying. If we don't say that, that's exactly what we're saying. Hey, God, I'm retired. Didn't you know? Didn't you get the memo? I'm retired, God. Don't you know my this, my that, my back hurts, my legs hurt, my arm hurt, my head hurts, my teeth itch, you know, whatever. 
<laughs> but your mouth is still moving. He might call you to pray. Be the best prayer warrior you can be. If you can't move, if you can't walk, if you can't be mobile, do what He's called you to do. Find out what it is and do it with all your might. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. So, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Are there not? We're not going to read that. You know where it is. So what are they for? The first of the nine gifts was the power to know supernaturally, or the word of wisdom. Don't you want God to use you in that? To know something supernaturally? Natural wisdom is the ability to apply possessed knowledge and experience. We do that all the time. Drywall guy, right? Possessed knowledge and experience of how to, there's a right way and a wrong way to hang drywall and mud it. And I figured out here recently I've been doing some of it the wrong way. Because <laughs> I just watched a professional do it the right way. So there is a wrong and right way to do something in the natural. The word of wisdom is a portion of supernaturally imparted wisdom to meet a particular need. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are supernatural manifestations of the Spirit, and they exist on a plane far above their natural human counterparts. It's going to be something above what your mental brain capacity can comprehend or understand when God's using you in that. The word of wisdom implies a thought or utterance through a direct operation of the Holy Spirit at a given moment rather than an abiding deposit of supernatural wisdom. God's going to give you something to say to somebody that's going to be at that moment. It's going to be a word of wisdom. It's going to be something that's going to, to edify and to lift up and maybe give that person confidence or direction or confirm something that they felt in their spirit that God was telling them, but they just kind of needed a little nudge, a little confirmation from God. And God's going to send you to speak that word of wisdom. You don't even know why you're saying what you're saying, but it means everything to them. Is that, is that a good, good analogy there? The word of wisdom includes supernatural revelation of divine purpose, the supernatural declaration of the mind and will of God. God will use you for that, to declare his will to somebody. And the supernatural unfolding of his plans and purposes concerning things, places, people, and communities. For example, God will use a bishop like Brother Booker. And he'll call up Brother Becker one day and say, You know, I've just been wrestling with this and I just feel like God's just prompted me to tell you this, that, that he wants you to do this and this. I want you to pray about it. But I feel like this is where God's wanting you to go. And he doesn't know that at the same time, in, during the same period of time, Brother Becker's been stre 
wrestling and struggling with work, what to do next and where to go and saying, God, I just need you to tell me what to do and where to go. And lo and behold, the bishop calls him up and says, this is what you need to do and where you need to go. Isn't that awesome? Don't we want that to happen? That's, a, that's an answer to prayer, isn't it? And God will give somebody the word of wisdom and word of knowledge when, he, when Brother Booker didn't have a clue what he, where, where he was, what he was praying about, or anything. Just God just spoke it to him. Amen? And not only will he tell you what to say, but he'll prompt you when to call and make phone call and say it. So you don't, there's, there's no wondering, should I do this? It's there. And just think of how awesome that is that he entrusts us with that. He entrusts us, his people, the saints of God, the kings and priests. He entrusts us with that. The word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is a portion of supernaturally imparted knowledge to meet a particular need. All knowledge ultimately rests with the Lord in whom we are hid and all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2 and 3. The word of knowledge includes facts from God about people, places, things, events that a person could not possibly know unless God revealed it to them. We were listening to Mark Schutz the other day, and he was talking about he was in this country on deputation, and he went to this pastor in Tennessee, and the guy said, hey, let's go work out at the gym. So they went to the gym, and he said, oh, Lord, help me to have strength to work out. <laughs> he said the Lord gave him strength. And so as as they're driving, this pastor telling him, I got this trainer, and I've really been kind of talking to him about the Lord, and I want you to say something to him. And so Brother Shoots like, okay. <laughs> Awkward moment. <laughs> so he goes in the men's room and says, okay, God, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know where you want me to go with this, but I'm leaving it up to you. So he said they go out and work out, and they go through the whole workout, and nothing, 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 nothing. As they're leaving, God says, I want you to talk to him about this. And it was about something personal in that man's life. And he basically said, okay. God told me this, thus, and thus, and thus. And this guy started tearing up and just like, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave. And he said, well, God wants me to tell you one more thing. And he spoke it. <laughs> and that guy's just tearing up even more. It's like, you got to leave, you got to leave. And so they get in the car and they're getting ready to leave. And Brother Schutz said that God spoke to him and said, tell, your, tell that pastor to text that guy and tell him to meet you all at the church tomorrow. So he did. And the guy did. And the God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He got baptized in Jesus' name. That pastor had no clue what was going to happen when he said, Hey, let's go to the gym. But God knew all along what was going to happen. And Brother Schutz was like, I don't know. You know, you got that feeling like, I don't know about this. This just sounds so. But as he went, God started saying, Okay, this is, this is supposed to happen. I'm going to give you what to say. Don't worry about it. So if God will do that for a guy like Mark Schutz, will he do that for you? He'll do that for anybody in here if you'll just believe him. He'll do that. He'll give you words to say to somebody that they're like, because that guy was like, nobody knows about that. I haven't even told anybody about that. How do you know that? God knows everything. Doesn't he? Let's hope we remember that, right? He knows what he's asking you to do. So don't try to talk him out of it. Just submit to it. 
Discerning of spirits. Okay, discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits is not only defensive, it can also be offensive in the sense that once the evil spirit is detected and operating through some human channel, that channel can then be delivered through the power of the name of Jesus. So you can walk into a room and discern a demonic spirit. When we were at our prayer walk a couple Saturdays ago, when we all came back to the to the park, we were all talking about what we felt while we were out. And some felt strong spirits and demonic spirits in some places, like around the schools when we were praying. And then others felt spirits of freedom and liberty in certain neighborhoods that they were driving through. And so we, God gives us that spirit of discernment. And we can offer, all of us have it. Y'all have it. You just got to use it. Because the Holy Ghost is going to quicken to you some things. But you got to be listening. In the Spirit. Examples of this gift are Peter's denunciation of Simon the sorcerer based on his dis- upon discernment of the intent of his heart. He wanted to buy the power of the Holy Ghost with money. Acts 8.23 And Paul's rebuke of the Spirit possessing a girl at Philippi, the one that was walking around talking about how great these preachers are and everything. And Paul finally turned around and told her in the Holy Ghost, shut up. I'm paraphrasing. Stop it. Jesus' name. So God gives us that spirit. You, you're probably sitting there thinking about it while I'm talking. You probably, God's used you in that, and you don't even realize he did. He does it all the time. Amen. The power to act supernaturally, the gift of faith, the gift of working of miracles, the gifts of healings. We can talk about Lee Stone King. We can talk about all these other men and people that God has used in these gifts. But God wants to use us in these gifts. He, it's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the presbyter. It's not just for the district superintendent. It's not just for Brother Bernard to operate in these gifts. He said to, to the body with all, for anybody that that wants to just be available, He'll use you to just lay hands on somebody and just pray for them, and God will heal them right there in the restaurant. And He'll prompt you to do that. And you're going to, and you know, the enemy, he's, he's right there. He don't want you to do it. And he'll try to induce fear into your mind, and you just have to say, I know what I heard from God. You're saying all this to yourself. I'm going to do this. You don't know if God's going to heal them or not. It's not your problem. Right? <laughs> he just told you to pray. He might be telling you to pray to help lift up your faith for healing. The spirit, the, you know, Brother Stone King has the gift of faith. He doesn't have the gift of healing. He just has the gift of faith. He speaks faith. He ministers faith in a, in a, in a setting. And God just does the rest. He's just operating in faith. Working of miracles, gifts and healings. Who ultimately does all of that? He does. But he has somebody walk up here with a big goiter on the side of their, their neck, and he has this man stand up and who maybe has never prayed and has seen anybody healed before and has him walk up and lay his hands on. And before he can even get the words out of his mouth, bam, that thing just falls off right in front of everybody. We all just got our faith lifted up. 
But we don't get lifted up in the fact that He just used us for that. Thank you, God, for using me for that. I give you the glory. I give you the praise. I give you the honor for allowing me to be used as your vessel. The power to speak supernaturally, to prophesy. The general prophet, in general, prophecy is an anointed utterance from God. Can any of us in this room prophesy? Can any of us in this room prophesy? Can God use us in the gift of prophecy? Whenever He good and well chooses to. Don't you want to be available and ready spiritually for Him to do that? I do. I want to keep my relationship with Him tight, close. Because I never know when God's going to use me to do that. Amen? True prophecy will always be in harmony with God's Word. There's lots of people out there that are false prophets that will say things to you that this is what they what God told them to say to you. And you just say, well, praise God. You have to just run. Uh, let me pray about that. you got to run it past the Word of God. And you got to kind of give it the sniff test, if you will. God confirm this if this is real. If this isn't, just let me know that that's a false prophet. Are there people like that in the world? All over the place. <laughs> a prophet can prophesy, but not everyone who exercises the gift of prophecy fulfills the office or the ministry of a prophet. Isn't that one of the gifts that God gave to the church to edify and lift up and equip the body for the ministry to the rest of the body? So we need that gift operating in the church, don't we? One of the five-fold ministry, right? We need that. God, give us that in this sanctuary, in this congregation. I don't know who he's going to use to do that, but God, give us that. Because you need that. Every one of you needs that to be equipped for the ministry. Every one of you. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. We all know what that is, right? We've all been around that. There's one here maybe that hasn't. But God just uses an individual to just begin to speak in tongues and language. That's It's not receiving the Holy Ghost. It's just God operating through them in a language. And then God gives somebody else the interpretation of what they said. And that person in obedience to the Holy Ghost speaks that so that the whole church is edified. And a lot of times that's just to, this is how I look at it, okay? A lot of times that's just to hammer a point home. Usually, when I when when we see it happen, it's right after a preacher that's just got done preaching. And what's God trying to do? Some maybe some there was some unbelief in the building. God's trying to hammer the point home of what He just said by giving that tongue and interpretation. I'm behind my servant. Listen to what He just said. That's how I view it. He can use that for other things, but that's how I've seen it used to just hammer the point home that hey. I'm talking. He's my vessel. Listen to what's being said. I can't tell you how many times I wished I'd listened to what my dad said. Because he was just talking and I was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I paid the price later for not listening to him. (laughs) How many have said that as a parent? I tried to tell you, son. I tried to tell you. But you weren't listening. Are you listening now? (laughs) Right? 
Hallelujah. From the old man to the new man. I'm not going to get it all done today. From the old man to the new man. The new birth in us is the beginning of something beautiful. It's stand. It'll be the continual maturing process. Do we ever stop maturing in God? Never. I hope not. Let's never get, let ourselves get stagnant and stuck in a, in a place. I don't ever want to stop maturing, Sister Bell, in the natural or in the spiritual. Ever. We are now in Christ. One scripture says that we are to be hid with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3.3. 3, for we are dead... For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Your life is hid with Christ and God. They don't see you. They should see Him first. They should feel Him first when we walk into a restaurant or somewhere. They don't know what it is they're feeling, but they need to feel Him first. Like the parting of the waters. We're dead to self. We're dead to... We're not only dead to sin, but we're dead to self. We're dead to my ideas, what I want to do, what I think's right. My plans, my purpose, and my will goes out the door. If it's if we're work if it's working right, not my will. Jesus said, "He's our example, right?" But your will be done. Hallelujah! I'm not going to get into this because I'll get in trouble for going over. <laughs> I'm getting the evil eye from the CFO back there. <laughs> I didn't say a name. I just... <laughs> Let's all stand. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be among your people today, to be a voice to them. Lord Jesus, I thank you for using me as your vessel. Thank you for giving them ears to hear, Lord. Spirit to receive and to understand and comprehend, oh God, what you're trying to say, what you're trying to get us to do, to equip us to be those vessels you need us to be in this last day, in this last hour, for this last and final harvest, God, that we would step up to the plate, that we would be, oh God, those vessels that you would send out, Lord Jesus, as laborers in the field, Lord Jesus, send us out to do your will, Lord, among the people of this city, Lord, give us opportunity don't let us pass up the opportunity, Lord Jesus. Every door that you open, help us to step through it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all come back up here at a quarter till. <laughs>